Hello listener, thanks very much for tuning in to the Hamden Roar podcast. I'm the creator and host Andy Barge and I promise I'll stop going on about this soon, but just a quick heads up if you're not aware, my book Charting Scotland's Return to a Major Tournament is on sale now with Pitch Publishing. It's called A Nation Again and it's the inside story of our journey back to the Euros beginning with Gordon Strachan leaving and culminating with the shootout in Belgrade and it covers everything in between. I spoke to more than a dozen members of the squad and the staff to build this story using their memories and it's on sale now on Pitch's website and at places like Amazon, Waterstones and WH Smith etc so I hope if or when the time is right then you're happy to give it a go and reminisce about what was a pretty turbulent but ultimately successful era for the national team as we found our way back to a major tournament so thanks for listening and enjoy this episode It slightly favours the right footer here but Griffiths having got the goal goes again Welcome to the Hamden Roar podcast. Finally, we can do a match preview with a squad announced ahead of a new campaign getting underway on Saturday for Euro 2024. Hopefully, we've got a repeat of the successful qualification for the last Euros, hopefully this time without the need for a playoff. We'll see, which we've got in the bag. But hopefully, we've got enough to get past Cyprus, Georgia, Norway, and then maybe Spain, maybe even Spain. So, Let's get going. We've got Gordon Shear from the Tartan Scarf and Alan Risk from the Air Force One Twitter page to delve into the squad and everything and all the talking points that are surrounding it ahead of Cyprus at Hamden and Saturday lunchtime, which makes a lovely change, doesn't it, Gordon? It does, absolutely, yeah. Um, it's been, it feels like it's been ages since, you know, you've had a Saturday afternoon kickoff, two o'clock in the afternoon, so chance to get up, get a good bit of pre-match atmosphere going, and obviously the fact it's a sellout as well, and obviously I, I don't remember any campaign where I think we've sold out basically every game before a ball's been kicked, so yeah, it just shows the real positive place this national team's in and, and where the fans are with it. Alan, Cyprus at home and Spain at home to start, it makes the second half of the campaign probably more awkward given the way the home and away fixtures have fallen we have three home fixtures in the first four how do you rate the way that they've fallen for us with the the opening two number one seed at Hamden after the lowest seed at Hamden Um, I think I don't think there's any point Uh, I think we just take it as it comes I mean if you look at you're saying that you've got the bottom seed at home in the first game initially you'd be like great chance to build confidence Cyprus aren't a bad team they're probably one of the better teams out of that pot um, I think Baden Slovakia, um, they're probably one of the best sides there. Um, so it's tough. Um, but I mean, yeah, a chance to get a sellout crowd there. It's quite a social hour. I mean, we can all, I mean, I think we've got a couple of games later on. We've got Spain, Norway in the evening. So you can watch that game, have dinner, go home, watch more football. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> well, Scotland will be wearing the the new kit. Well, I say new kit, the commemorative kit. Um, it'll only be worn three times, I think. We've got, we're winning against England in September, Cyprus on Saturday, and I think the SWNT are wearing it in April. Um, so that's the, the three games that it'll be showcased. It looks class. It sold out absolutely rapidly. I didn't get one. I went online to JD to try and order at about 11. Couldn't get one, then went into the shop uh, and it was sold out. So 
if anyone's punting one, um, feel free to drop in the DMs. Um, Gordon, you got one, didn't you? I did, yes. Half past eight in the morning. I was on I was on JD Sports yesterday morning. Um, and yeah, and I was luck- luckily enough to take advantage of the fact that they uh, very gen- generously doubled the Scotland Sports Club discount, as a few folk got. So it was uh, 30% off, not the usual 15. Did they, did they do that consciously? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's... It's- that, that's that's a, a decent price, I would say. Six, 60 quid is is not bad for a commemorative one-off shirt that's kind of a bit of a keepsake, really. I mean, if, if we beat England wearing that in September, then it's going to be almost priceless. So it's it's, it's a really nice shirt and I think a, a really good idea from the SFA. But important as well, given the this, well controversy, I suppose, over the price tag around the neck of it, that this isn't decided by the Scottish FA Gordon, no, it's it's on sale exclusively at JD. They decide how much it's sold for. The SFA don't don't participate in that, no. Yeah, that, that's that, that's absolutely right. You know, I, th- I think it's, it's it, again, it's one it's one of those misconceptions. I think I think a lot of times you see the Scottish FA and you know SPFL and the same goes for league bodies and national associations all around Europe and all around the world that the ills of the footballing world will often get dumped at their door unfairly or fairly. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right when it comes when it comes to kits. Kit pricing, yep, it's down to it's down to the retail partner, it's down to the manufacturer to to set those prices. Um, in the same way that you know TV deals and whether Scotland games are on free to air TV is also the the stick that's used to to beat them over the head with. But you know, as we all know, the TV deals are centralised. It's also by UEFA centrally. So again, Scottish FA don't actually play any role in that whatsoever. Well, one person who won't be wearing the new kit, but maybe the goalkeeping version, which I've actually not seen yet, to be honest. Is there even one? Is there a goalkeeping commemorative shirt that Angus Gunn might have to wear on Saturday? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I'm not actually sure. I, I honestly don't know what the what, what the goalkeeping equivalent one is. <laughs> we'll, just have to, we'll just have to wait and see on Saturday, won't we? Yeah. Well, do you think, we'll come to you for this, Alan, that if there is one, it will be Alan... Uh, it will be Alan. It will be Angus Gunn wearing it instead of Sandra Clark or Liam Kelly. Um, yeah, I think I, I can't see past it. Um, given his form this season, um, how many clean sheets he's having, uh, Norwich are obviously doing quite well. I think they're outside the playoffs. Uh, you see him. I mean, Gordon's obviously going to tell us how tall he is uh, in a moment. I mean, he's a giant. He's a brilliant goalkeeper. Um, he's Scottish. He's ours now. Um that's it. I can't. I can't see him. And I think well, obviously you've seen this season, um, the weaknesses in the other keepers. They should be in the squad. Obviously, Clark will make a decision. Maybe it will be loyal in the Cyprus game, the easier of the games. But uh, yeah, Gun. If he's in the squad, he has to start for me. I think Sheik that the lack of game time afforded to either Kelly or Clark in any of the three friendlies last year paints a pretty formidable picture for them about who'll get the nod this Saturday. I think maybe the the patience and the work done to get Angus Gunn in the door as a Scotland player probably points to the fact that he is and has been or has been identified as the person who will take the gloves while Craig Jordan Craig Gordon is injured and subsequently take them off him when Gordon decides to hang them up. Yeah, look, very, very possibly, very possibly. And obviously, when the when the squad was announced, you know, you heard you heard Steve Clark. You know, he was very, very diplomatic. You know, when he said that, look, Angus is is joining the team. He's joining the squad, um, and no promises, no assurances have been given to him. He's he's up against two other goalkeepers. Obviously, it's effectively a blank canvas 
of keepers right now. You know, we've got three uncapped keepers. Um, as as you said, you know, we had friendlies last year where there were opportunities to blood other keepers. We didn't take those. Um, so now we're in this position where we have three uncapped keepers. And I think what that does is it shows you just how fortunate we've been over the last, you know, goodness, 15, 15 plus years to have lived in an era of Marshall, McGregor and Craig Gordon to have a wealth of talent in, in goals. And yeah, look, I think I think Angus Gunn's an incredibly exciting addition to the squad. I'm sure a lot of you guys and the guys listening will have seen the video that his sister Melissa put out on social media when he got the call up with all this incredible imagery and family footage and uh, home movies from growing up that showed you Angus in in kilts, in Scotland tops, in Hibs tops. I mean, look, this guy may well have been born in Norwich. That's where his dad was playing football at the time. His dad is absolutely as Scottish as they come six caps for us. Angus is just the same. And yeah, I'm I'm very excited to to see what he can bring to the team because look, he's 27 years old, you know, and if you look at how Craig Gordon has matured over the years as a goalkeeper, you know, we this this could be the guy that is is our is our goalkeeper for the next 10, 12 years. So that's very, very exciting. And Alan, as promised, he's six foot eight. He's an absolute giant. <laughs> Well, Alan, have you been a bit bemused by what I think is the minority? I'm pretty sure it is a minority. Um, saying that Gunn has no place in the Scotland squad. Um, Sheik, you have criteria um, for new call-ups that are not born and bred Scotland. Um, reminders of that? Yeah, so the, the, basically the, 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 the test I always apply to uh, to any player that's been called up to the team is... A, are they eligible? Yes, they, yes, he is, obviously. B, will he? Uh, does he want to come play for us? Yes, he obviously does because he's been called up. And C, will he add something to the team? And given that the, the goalkeeper options are two other uncapped keepers, yes, he absolutely will bring something to the team and add to add to what we've got. So, yeah, that, that, that's it. Three ticks in the box. I, I have no time for the debate back and forth about eligibility and whether we should be limiting our player pool based on where players were born because that is just a it's mad and almost verges on eugenics so yeah well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that Shia. what about you Alan based on the criteria there that, that Gordon's outlined does Angus Gunn want to play is he eligible will he improve the squad I guess to all three of them clearly he's decided that his international future lies with Scotland that's where the problem kind of begins and ends for, for some fans that he has decided now that his international future lies with Scotland rather than making the decision five years or so ago. Do, do you have any any issue with this whatsoever? Um, I, I don't. I don't. I think um, nationality is a very complex matter. Um, you see it in terms of football, um, the way that uh, a young player is now, if they play three times, I think it's before the age of 21, not sure the exact rule, um, they're then aligned to that country for the rest of their lives. Um, when as a young male, you think about how many of us are new, even 25, 26 years old. Um, you might look back at yourself and say, Christ, why did I think that? Or why did I believe in that? Um, we all grow and continue to grow. And deciding a nationality is challenging um, if you're born in a different place. Um, I mean, I think we've all, we've all watched the documentary, uh, Forza um, Scotia, and uh, Lana McClellan said that she, Fiorentina is her home. Now, obviously, she's a Scotland international, but say she hadn't been called up for Scotland and Italy called her up. Um, I mean, if she's comfortable and feels Italian, can she play for Italy? Mm. It's, it's a challenging, it's a challenging um, sort of idea, nationality. And I think it's, there's no 
shame there's no problem for me if a player takes longer to decide because we all go through our own journey and young guys living and growing up in England um, they might just want a bit more time to work that out and that's totally fine I've also heard shouts Sheikh that Gunn coming in to take over the gloves straight away um, is unnecessary because we have two other quality goalkeepers in, in and around the squad and Xander Clark and Liam Kelly do they match up um, I, I'm I'm not really going to get too caught up in the level of football that they're both playing at in comparison to Gunn because Craig Gordon plays in the Premiership and look how good he's been. David Marshall's back up here now. It's not too long ago that he was firefighting at Derby County at the bottom of the Championship every weekend, which kind of flies in the face of that. So um, I think that on quality of goalkeeping alone, do you think that Kelly and Clark could or should be in the picking order above him and therefore make the, the necessity to call up gun redundant. Well, you see, this is the thing. I, I, I would I would never say that calling anyone up, calling up quality players is 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 redundant because you know it, this is international football. You can you you call up a, you can call up a different squad in every camp if you want. You know you could completely bin every player and bring in a whole new set of players. It's not like it's not like a club football where you need to register your team for the season and and make transfers here and there. So. You know, I think when when there are quality players out there, and you have the option to bring them in, and you get you again, we you have three goalkeepers in a squad, so I see no reason why you wouldn't want to bring in a guy like Angus Gunn into the squad. Like I said at the start, and as Steve Clark has reiterated, it is a blank canvas for this era of Scotland goalkeeping. There's three options, none of them have caps, so they are all on the exact same level as far as I'm concerned, and it's up to. It's up to the three of those guys who impresses Steve Clark the most in training this week. Who gets the nod on Saturday? Well, is, um, he did play for England under twenty ones a long time ago. Now Angus Gunn, but let's let's be real. At that age, that there's a lot of um, football to be played ahead of you, and any decision at that point is, um, I think, it would be quite harsh to expect it to be absolute permanent from that point on. If you if you can help it, so yeah, Angus Gunn in the squad. And personally looking forward to to seeing if he gets the nod against Cyprus this weekend. I'm absolutely certain he will. He's been playing for Norwich week in, week out since mid-October. Tim Crow started the season as their number one, but he won the gloves mid-October. He's missed a couple of games um, in, in that point, but he's been playing 90 minutes every week otherwise. And as Alan, I think it was a wee minute ago, said that they're going okay in the championship in contention for the promotion playoffs. So good to have somebody that's uh, as part of a decent team coming into the international oh, and also. Side. Also, Andy, just to bear in mind, you know, the actual, the, the number of this, he's, he's not coming into the squad as a, an unknown quantity to a lot of the guys in there. You know, obviously he's a current teammate yeah, of Grant Hanley and Kenny McLean, was with Billy Gilmore last season at Norwich. And obviously when he was at Southampton, he was there with Stu Armstrong and Shea Adams. So he actually knows a lot of these guys already. Very fair point. Didn't even consider that for a second. Yeah, Angus Gunn in the squad, expected to be Scotland's number one keeper until Craig Gordon gets fit again and we'll see what happens from that point depending on Craig Gordon's intentions with the international team um, given that he's 40 years old now What I do know and you'll have to start thinking about this before you start genetically we're behind we're the, we're the last campaign, we were the second smallest, apart from Spain. So that means we have to pick a team tonight that kind of try and combat the height and strength. Even at that, we couldn't combat the height and strength at set place. So genetically, we have to work at things. 
and then we get big women and men together, see what we can do. Um, but it is a problem for us because we have to fight harder for every ball and jump higher than anybody else because it's easier for these kind of guys. Another player who has been called up for the first time is Dominic Hyam. He's replacing Jack Hendry in the squad. So is Anthony Ralston. He's been in squads before he scored for Scotland against Armenia last summer. Dominic Hyam, Alan, is a player that we've all been keeping an eye on for some time now. He's doing well with Blackburn. He's born in Scotland. Um, He's lived in England for almost all his life. He he was born up here because um, his dad was based at Lucas uh, RAF base in Fife. He was raised in England, but he's got Scottish family um, as well on his uh, mum and dad's side. So he says, look, I've been waiting on this. I've been striving for this for a while. You happy to see him in the squad? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The level that he's been playing at for the last couple of years now um, merits the call-up. He's he's been unlucky. Um, I guess he's, yeah, Clark's loyalty and some other players. um, And obviously then playing McTominay there as an option uh, and again, just giving him time to mature uh, as a player has probably kept him out of it. But um, since moving to Blackburn, um, he's been brilliant. Um, his passing is probably one of the things that excites me most about him. Um, and the options we've got at right centre back, um, he's probably better. He's a better pass of the ball um, than Porteous. And I Porteous has struggled a bit of that at Watford this season, um, despite settling really well. So I think he's a strong um, forward thinking centre back. Um, he's got. I don't know if you saw that. that um, I think he scored a scorpion kick. Now, I can't remember if it was the start of this season. I think it was this season because he was playing for Blackburn. Um, so he's got a goal in him and a couple of assists. Um, so he's a threat going forward as well. Gordon, how do you feel about Hyam's inclusion, especially at the expense of Hendry, who has been struggling for Bruges with an injury since the end of February? I think we we have had McTominay in there before. With Hendry being injured, though, do you think that, especially in the Cyprus game, that this might cause Steve Clark to prefer the four-at-the-back option rather than throw Hyam straight in as part of a back three? Maybe play Hickey, and, uh, Hickey or Patterson on the right, and probably Hanley and Cooper or Hanley and Porteous centre, and then uh, Katie or Robbo on the left, depending on how he wants to utilise Robertson. Mm. Yeah, I think I think I would certainly expect us and I would like to see us line up with the four at the back against Cyprus on Saturday. I think, you know, obviously when we when we came into that formation again, second half of last season, there was, uh, or second half of last year, uh, we put in some really good performances. We played some of our best attacking football under Steve Clark. And I think certainly when you're looking at a home game against the bottom seed, this has to be one that you're looking to go out and dominate and to hopefully win quite quite handily. So, yeah, I, I would certainly like to see the four at the back continue. Um, I think certainly Ryan Porteous deserves to to keep his place in the team. I thought he was fantastic against Ukraine. And I think the way that he's gone down to, to Watford, who are again a very, very big club in England who have sort of yo-yoed between Premier League and Championship. He's settled in straight away since January, been playing every game and been very impressive for that team. Um I, I would I would very much like to see him continue. But yeah, Dominic Heim, again, like we said, a player we've all been watching uh, from afar for a little while. And I think, you know, we'll obviously come on to the fact that a lot of the players in this current team not getting quite as much game time as we would like. So it's nice to have an option here of a guy who's coming in. He's flying with his team. He's playing every game. He's right, sharp as you can get. So yeah, definitely good, good option to have because I think we can certainly, we can never have too many defence centre-back options, especially when you now consider that Hanley and Cooper are now both 
both 31. So it's good to have, good to have some more options there. He's in the Blackburn Rovers team every week. Dominic Hyam, their fifth in the English Championship just now. One place behind Alan Campbell's Luton. He's not in the squad, Alan Campbell. Two places behind uh, Hayden Hackney's Middlesbrough, who is not in the squad either. He's in the under-21s this week. And a couple of places behind, uh, sorry, three places behind Ollie McBurney's Sheffield United. So Scott's doing well at all the clubs, really, apart from Burnley, that are contesting for the playoffs. We've got players at Sheffield United, Middlesbrough, Luton, Blackburn, Norwich City, and Millwall with um, Murray Wallace, who is part of the, the defence there. So, yeah, Scott's con- uh, vying for a promotion all over the English Championship at the moment. We'll maybe, we'll maybe come to some of the ones that weren't included if we've got time later on. Um, yeah, so the back four. Let's come, let's come to you on this, Alan. Then. Do you expect it to be Hanley and Porteous um, flanked by mm, Hickey or Patterson and then Robertson or uh, Tierney on the left? And if it is a back four... Or back three, depending on how much prominence Tierney's given in the team. Does his lack of game, we'll come to the game time as a wider point with the squad in a minute, but does specifically Tierney's lack of game time bother you with someone who's got such an, an unreliable body? Is it, do you, do you expect that we'll get even two games out of him in this international break? Um, obviously, we don't know what's going on in the background, but I think we will. Um, I think Ben pointed out in the last podcast where he was mentioned, you've got players like when you've got quality players like Gilmore, etc., you know when they come into the squad, they don't need much game time. They've, they've done it before. Um, Tierney, it's circumstantial. It's not fitness, it's not form. It's just pure, uh, obviously, tactics um, playing. Obviously, I think he's had Tommy Yasu and uh, even Ben White um, and obviously Zinchenko ahead of him at Arsenal. Arsenal were flying. And I mean, he came on um, at the weekend. I think he had the last half an hour. He got an assist. Um, so he's sharp. Tierney, um, he's playing 30 minutes of football. Um, I think he's well capable of starting um, and playing both games 90 minutes um, I would actually like to see him at left centre back um, and the inside of Robertson if you look at the last couple of games that Cyprus have played um, especially away from home um, I mean it's probably expected but they've not dominated the ball um, they're sitting with 30% possession um, sort of 30-40% possession so we're going to have the ball um, you want players who are going to attack with it um, and I mean you, you can you can safely put in Tierney and he's going to do a job if you need him. Um, I could see Robertson starting left back and Hickey at right back. Um, Patterson's obviously just come back. Um, maybe lacking a bit of match sharpness. But yeah, left back, right back, I think it's clear. Left centre back, I would go for Tierney. Did we, or did we, did Clark play Tierney at left back and Andy Robertson left mid for about 20 to 30 minutes of a game last autumn? Am I just completely making that up or am I remembering correctly? After he made some changes in the second <laughs> half, did, yeah, he sure, push, did he push, did he push <laughs> Robertson further forward in a in a because, four? Yeah, because he switched to, he switched to back four um, for the last half an hour, I think, and I think he possibly yeah stuck Robertson just ahead. Um, I'd need to watch the game again, but yeah, I think there was something along the lines because I saw I've seen a few comments saying we can we stick Robertson at left wing in this game. Um, I don't think we'll see that, but I mean it's an option. <laughs> Well, the, the the possibility of playing a back four, especially at home against Cyprus, is certainly on the minds of a few listeners. Fraser Wallace says, have to start with a back four on Saturday to get extra creative players further up the park. Christian Armstrong um, singled out there. Um, we have Lee McLaughlin saying, with the lack of centre-backs, I'm guessing it will be a back four. Um, could slot McTominay in there when left-back or right-back push up. 
Uh, we also have Michael Grantham posing the question, as Henry is out, does that make it more likely for a back four against Cyprus? Because I suppose if we, d- if we do play a back three, it will be McTominay or Hyam that probably plays there. Would he play Porteous on the right side of a back three? I'm not sure. Um, maybe he has done before, but I'm, I'm not certain. Ali Clark uh, says the loss of Jack Henry is a big blow. He was our best player at the end of the Nations League in September. That's a, a fairly valid shout from Ali there. Um, so yeah, loads of um, things to think about in the defence. Um, and in the midfield as well. But before we move on from the defence, uh, we've got just a wee bit of time here to, to squeeze this in. Um, Greg Taylor, not in the squad. Weird one here, because he's been having a superb season for Celtic. When Steve Clark was asked, why is he not in? Steve Clark said, it's a Celtic issue. When Ange Postacoglu was asked about that, Ange Postacoglu said, nope, we send Scotland all the relevant information they need, and then the decision lies with um, their medical staff and the coaching staff. So it's weird that a, a situation like this would develop is it when, when Taylor's been doing doing so well with it not Gordon yeah absolutely but again it wouldn't it certainly wouldn't be the first time and it won't be the last time that clubs and a national team have sort of been at cross purposes I mean I remember do you remember when um, was it Stephen Gerrard and Rangers kicked up a lot of fuss because Ryan Jack was either used too much in an international break or trained too much and got injured I mean you know we, we have to remember that you know these guys as much as you know, they are on international duty just now, they are constant full-time employees of their clubs and their clubs obviously have incredibly detailed sports science departments and, you know, they have tailored programs for every single player every day of the week. So look, it's an incredibly complex relationship uh, between player and club and club and association. So like I, I obviously we, we don't know. We don't, we honestly, we don't know what's happened in this circumstance. Greg Taylor is not in the team. Um, we are obviously fortunate that we have two world-class left-backs already, so it's unfortunate he's not there, but I think I think we'll probably do, we'll do okay. Yeah, I wonder if it is then that they are able to remain quite obtuse about it and, and blame it on each other when maybe, for example, Celtic have said, you know, he's only really fit enough to play one game or this is how much we recommend that you use him in training. Um, based on his current fitness levels and then Scotland have seen that as a Celtic dictatorship or Celtic um, trying to stipulate things and uh, Celtic are able to say well it was Scotland's decision in the end so yeah and just a strange, a strange one though considering how good he's been for, for Celtic this season and for us when he's had to, to slot in uh, on occasion uh, just before we move on from the defence going to give some credit here to my BBC colleague Al Lament who did quite a wee bit of digging into the Scotland squad, so we'll separate it. Uh, defence, midfield and attack when we're talking about each topic. So defenders, just a wee bit about what they've been up to recently in terms of game time. Liam Cooper hasn't played in the Premier League since the start of February. He's had 12 league starts this season. Grant Hanley is regular for Norwich. We've already touched on um, their situation in the Championship at the moment. Uh, Jack Hendry, well, he's, he's pulled out now. Um, he had worked his way back into the Bruges team after a terrible loan spell in Italy, but that's him injured for a wee while. Uh, Aaron Hickey did miss three months with an ankle injury. He's back and he's playing in the Brentford team and doing well. Nathan Patterson's been out injured since the start of January. He's only been playing for the Everton uh, reserves, I think, or under-23s, however you want to label them. Uh, Ryan Porteous started every game in the Championship since making his debut in, at the start of February. Andy Robertson has been a regular since returning from a knee injury in October for Liverpool and Keane Tierney has barely played really for Arsenal this year. Four Premier League starts, 
all season for Tierney. We could probably do a whole podcast on what the future holds for him, to be honest. Uh, if we even look at the the last few games, same 25 minutes against Palace, 18 minutes against Fulham, and then only nine minutes over the previous one, two, three, four, nine games. He got eight minutes against Everton, one minute against Villa, and the rest didn't get off the bench. And that is in the last two months now. So, yeah, hopefully a change of scenery for Tierney um, in the summer. And we can see him back to doing his best stuff in the Premier League or elsewhere. Um, should he find a club that's willing to give him an opportunity? midfield then let's have a look at who is in the midfield reckoning so we have Lewis Ferguson Stuart Armstrong Billy Gilmore Ryan Jack John McGinn Callum McGregor Kenny McLean Scott McTominay and then depending on your definition Ryan Christie now if we play a four at the back guys um, it probably would lead to a 4-3-3 4-2-3-1 of sorts I think the main midfield talking point this time is who is going to play alongside Callum McGregor. I'd say Callum McGregor, Allen is a certainty to start. Alongside him, you've probably got one of McTominay, Jack, Ferguson, even McGinn has played further back next to McGregor on the odd occasion and that allows potentially Christie and Armstrong to play off Adams or maybe two strikers up there. How do you feel about this one and how do you see it panning out with Clark's decision making? Uh, I think with Clark's decision making, we're probably going to see. Um, I would expect McTominay or Jack to be in there. Um, I think Ferguson deserves a start. Um, again, he talks about it in the the documentary. Um, it's well worth a watch for anyone who hasn't. But it's, he, he mentions obviously how he was he was left out of the squad and given a chance to sort of prove himself over over in um, in Italy with the change in manager. Um, and then he, he since then he's come back. Oh, sorry, since then he kicked on and he's been he's been brilliant for them. Um, absolutely brilliant with talks of him going to Milan, Juventus. Um, and I think he said he's quite comfortable spending the next two or three years in Italy. So he clearly sees himself either at Bologna or further up the league. Um, and the way he's playing, I think I watched the game against Napoli, and it's just it's his industry like going forward. And the fact I think he'd scored a, a brilliant goal. Um, it, I think they showed it in the documentary again. So he taken a, he takes a striker's touch and, and buries it in the corner, and then. Um, Five minutes later in the game, he's bombing back and clears the ball out for a corner. So he's proper box-to-box. Um, and like I say, we're going to have the ball plenty against Cyprus. Um, what's going to happen potentially is they've catch us in the break. They've got a young squad, um, especially the Fords. Um, a lot of early 20-year-olds, full of energy. Um, so if you've got someone like Ferguson who can get back uh, as well as forward, uh, he's going to be an asset. So yeah, that's who I would have. Gordon, Ferguson is the hot topic here. I think the, there's kind of quite a, a bit of romance, a wee bit of hype. The, the Force of Scotia, Scotia documentary is out. He comes across really well. He's doing great stuff in Serie A. 
People in the comments here have got Andrew L6 saying Ferguson should be starting in an attacking role alongside McGinn. We've got Dino Bino saying Ferguson a must in the middle with McGregor and McGinn. I suppose that'd be in a 4-3-3 or so. And then we've got Andrew Miller 91 saying he wouldn't be against a very narrow midfield. A diamond, I suppose, with McGregor sitting, McGinn at number 10 and then Ferguson one of the two at the horizontal points of the diamond. How, how, how do you feel about those calls? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm very I'm very encouraged and excited to see to see what Lewis Ferguson can bring to this team. You know, like we say, he's he's at a great age. He's he's, he's 23. He made the he made the bold move to to move over to Italy. Obviously, inspired by his his countrymen and women who've trod that same path. It is just unfortunate that obviously that he sort of almost passed Aaron Hickey on the stairs and uh, they they missed each other on the plane over from Italy to the UK. Uh, so they never actually got to play in the same team together. But I did see Bologna put out an incredible tweet tonight. Uh, obviously, if you've seen uh, Lewis Ferguson's header against Seller Natana over the weekend, it was an absolutely brilliant header. And that was his fourth Serie A goal this season, making him the fourth Scottish player to do that in a single Serie A season, joining Dennis Law, Graham Souness and Aaron Hickey, which is pretty good company to keep. Um, I think certainly, you know, when you look at the way that he plays for Bologna, uh, Alan's absolutely right. It is generally more in that sort of attacking midfield role, which obviously he's not going to dislodge John McGinn from this team, but it leaves the door open for an exciting sort of pair of kind of free eights, you know, and, you know, Steve Clark does like to play a 4-3-3, but without sort of traditional wingers in the team. So you could imagine Ferguson and McGinn playing off each other just behind Shea Adams. I think that could be quite exciting um, and I think quite, back quite, that, quite a change in circumstance Gordon to see Armstrong and Christie both out the team from that situation yeah ab- absolutely absolutely but still still in the squad and still there and still can bring all their experience and all their skills and all their their, their many caps into the team and into the in, into the the squad I think just you know we've, we've, we've got this fortunate opportunity that we are starting with what should be the weakest team they are the bottom seeds at home so this is a, a good opportunity to to try something like this and yeah, I think I think further back, I think it, you could probably write it down right now. I think it'll be McGregor and McTominay in, in central mid. Okay, well, um, there are calls, um, certainly plenty of them in the mentions. I've listed off a few there, um, querying where Ferguson might be best placed. We, we know that Clark loves Armstrong and Christie. Allen, could we see potentially both of them get dropped and McGinn deployed further forward rather than alongside Callum McGregor, alongside Ferguson? Yeah, um, I think if you look at um, Armstrong's last few games, I think historically Armstrong, I mean, he has played three games in a block before. Uh, it might have even been June um, last year, I can't remember. But um, prior to that, um, uh, Ralph Hassan, who uh, mentioned before, that he couldn't, Armstrong didn't have it in him to play all the games in an international window. Um, he needed to have a rest and plenty of it, whereas Adams was the more resilient of the players and could could handle a full schedule. Um, so, I mean, going back to that, we're in the middle of a busy season, Southampton are fighting relegation. I mean, I, there's every chance he probably won't play both games. What one do you want Armstrong for? Probably Spain. So, I mean, I could see him maybe being rested, um, if that's the case. Christie, yeah, I mean, Christie can play um, whenever. I mean, we'll, we'll de- I think we'll definitely see Christie against Cyprus, whether that's starting um, or off the bench. Um He's, he's brilliant going forward. He's, you know what he can do. Um, he can give us chances. And if it's a tight game, which it might well be, in the last few games against Cyprus have been tight, um, then Christie's a guy to unlock a defence as well. A couple of names that I didn't mention there, Gordon, when I was about to query on who might play alongside Callum McGregor were Kenny McLean 
and Billy Gilmore. Clark has gone for the continuity. McLean is a regular for Norwich in the Championship. Gilmore really struggling for game time at Brighton. Um, both of them worthwhile of their places in the squad, in your opinion, but probably both very unlikely to start. Yeah, 100%, 100%. You know, I think obviously, you know, we, we always like to see uh, players that are playing regularly and playing well for their club teams that are coming in in form. But I think probably the best thing that Steve Clark's done over the last three years is to build a proper team. And this is a proper team now, you know, and I think that it's it's for situations like this, you know, when the, the, the stars have aligned a little bit where yes, we've got we've got a few players who've been sort of in and out of teams based on form, fitness, etc. But they know exactly what they're doing for Scotland. They've played together so many times. I mean, how many I mean, I remember when I first started doing this podcast with you, Andy, you know, we would bemoan the amount of players that we had that just didn't have a lot of caps and just hadn't played many games together. But you look down that list now and you've got so many players with in the thirties, in the forties of caps. So this is an experienced unit. It's an experienced group group of players. And yeah, all the more reason to keep them keep them together as a group. Does the lack of game time for a lot of our prominent players bother you at all, Alan? I understand what Gordon's saying there about continuity. Yes, they do look pretty cohesive and, and have done apart from the odd occasion such as in Dublin. But does it does it bother you that it's it's not just Tierney. I mean, we've got McTominay as well, and for example, in midfield, Gilmore. That these are guys that we were hoping would and still can take us forward as an international group, but they're not really being utilised anywhere near as much as we hoped they would for the top teams at club level. So, for example, McTominay um, has made one start for Man United, as far as I can see here, since the start of November. And it, it does often get off the bench half an hour here, 20 minutes there. Is that is that all right for you? Or does the wider point remain that, you know, the, the lack of game time that a lot of our more prominent guys um, are going through at the moment is, is an issue or not? I think it's, um, if you can look at it that way, we want players that are playing every week. I mean, we do. There's no doubt about it. Players that are playing every week, um, they're more match sharp. Um, they, especially if they're in a good run of form, um, they can take an international break. However, you can look at it the opposite way and say you've got players who are fit, they're coming off the bench for their clubs, putting in good performances. Like I said, Hickey played 25 minutes at the weekend against Palace. You mentioned and he got an assist. You've got players who want to show, want to impress the manager. And if they're getting games for the international side, then hopefully we see that. Um, I mean, it's a case of, uh, I think we're actually quite lucky. And I know we've got players that are not, um, what do you call it, uh, not playing every week, but I guess that just also shows the level our squad's at now they're competing for player, for, for teams at the top of the leagues at cup winning sides um, obviously Man United won the cup this season Arsenal are well on track to win the league It's uh, they're competing at the best of sides um, so I'd rather I guess there's an argument say would you rather that than them maybe playing in the championship or the bottom in the Premier League it's, it's a balance um, but then yeah we're so close to having the likes of well, we've got Cooper in the squad he's been out Dykes has been, has been ill Hickey was out injured and Patterson as well. Like there's so many players that we're lucky actually we've got fit, um, look fit in training anyway. Um, they, these guys could have been out and we could have been quite concerned about quite a, a raw, young um, or inexperienced side. So, yeah, it could have been much worse. Well, let's have a, a run through um, Al Lament's kind of summary here. So, Stuart Arm- for the midfielders anyway, Stuart Armstrong in and out of the Southampton team. That kind of probably alludes to what you were saying a minute ago, Alan, about the amount of the, the, the workload that can be put on Stuart Armstrong. 
Gilmore um, was injured for a wee while, but he's only made two Premier League starts in Brighton this season. He doesn't tend to feature all that much. Lewis Ferguson, we've touched on, is, is doing great things at Bologna, been linked with a lot of good moves. Uh, Ryan Jack, pretty regular for Rangers um, when he's fit, and he's been able to maintain his fitness just now, which is good news for him and hopefully for us as well. Scotland. <laughs> um, John McGinn, um, regular at Villa, fan favourite, uh, recovered well from a thigh injury. Cal McGregor, first choice for club and country in there at the moment, probably. Kenny McLean, regular for Norwich in the Championship, and McTominay uh, tends to feature most weeks, but most, uh, but only as a as a sub. Do we expect then the midfield? Let's just say that Clark will play a four against Cyprus. Let's just, um, well, maybe do both, but let's say as a four at first, four at the back, I should say. Um, then it would be a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. Do we expect it or agree that it probably will be McGregor, McTominay and then McGinn in front with striker supported by Armstrong, Christie or Ferguson, two, two of those three? Yeah, that's fully what I expect. Yeah. yeah. If I caught David Marshall in bed with my missus, I'd tuck him in and ask what he wanted for breakfast. Callum, beat it, you okay? That's a great tweet. <laughs> I am officially declaring David Marshall be to, to be the godfather to my future children. I do not need any more children in my life, so I'm going to avoid that one, Jack. If David Marshall doesn't get hit... <laughs> I think this is one for my dad. If David Marshall doesn't get the night, I don't know what's happening. I love you, big man. <laughs> Still waiting on that. David Marshall, I love you. Tweeted straight after the game, I'd imagine. But David Marshall has bigger balls than John Wayne. He has got some seriously big balls, John Wayne, so... Um, Good tweet, sir. So I think that's the end of it. Well, let's uh, move on to the strikers now. We've got Shea Adams, Lyndon Dykes. Surprisingly, I did not expect him to be in there. Jacob Brown, uh, didn't expect him to be in there either. And Ryan Christie. Gordon, your man, Shea Adams, will start, I assume. Yes, he will, 100%. Um, like you, I'm equally, <laughs> frankly, stunned that uh, Lyndon Dykes is in the squad, fit, healthy enough to be in the squad. Um, obviously, I think it was eight eight days he was in the hospital with pneumonia. Now, speaking as someone who I've actually also been hospitalised with pneumonia a few years ago, I was in for five nights. It's utterly, utterly miserable and just even being able to comfortably get back to the point where you can move and climb stairs comfortably post pneumonia is a really difficult thing to do so the fact that he's actually back fit and playing football is is frankly nothing short of a minor miracle so great to see him back delighted that he's delighted that he's part of it but yes 100% it will be Lyndon Knight's leading the line um, and I know Alan I can guarantee you that you'll be equally as disappointed that I am that, that Ross Stewart is not fit because I was very much keen that he he got the nod in this camp, I think if he'd been fit, he certainly would have been in the team and would have been fighting for a place at least off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's really unfortunate. I mean, his his luck with injuries, especially as he feel like he's, his last two seasons, he's really coming into his game. He's maturing, and I'm uh, obviously scoring the goals at, at Wembley. Uh, he's, he's had such a good couple of years to kick on the championship and have these two injuries. Um, which if he hadn't had them, he'd probably want again. He'd be the top scorer in the league or up there. Um, 
it's really unfortunate for him and for Scotland. Um, strikers, goal-scoring strikers were short of. I mean, Adams has got four or five this season. Dykes is roughly, um, again, a, a single-digit figure. Brown is scoring, what, one goal in four matches. It's uh, we're, None of the strikers... I mean, obviously, it's a new... It's an international campaign. It's a different ball game. Um and we've been lucky that we're spreading the goals around the field. Um, it's not just the strikers. Um, we're not taking on that burden. And we've got John McGinn, um, so it doesn't really matter. But um, but yeah, um, n- not having one of the, the goal-scoring strikers uh, is challenging. McBurney obviously received a lot of praise. Um, last week, Ben men- or in the podcast, Ben mentioned obviously the, the, the sort of um, the media issues that might arise with a call-up. It's a bit of a shame he's done it. He's scored again, obviously. So, yeah, challenging. Yeah, we, we we don't have a striker coming into this break bang on form. Um, we've got Adams, who scored his first Premier League goal for four months against Tottenham, uh, just in the last game before the break there. Jacob Brown's not scoring for Stoke. He tends to kind of feature in off the right almost for, for Stoke, but he's an attacking player nonetheless, and he's not scoring many goals down there at all, five in the Championship this season. Christie has just, I'm surprised that he's only scored once in the league for, for Bournemouth this season, although he's lost his starting place since January, so he's, he's not made a he's not made a Premier League start in the last six or seven weeks. Um, and then Lyndon Dykes, who um, is a regular starter for QPR, but he's not altogether a, a regular goal scorer for, for QPR. He tends to kind of score in, in batches. Um, and as we're saying, he's been in hostel for a while. So he's not he's not done it for for a little bit, Lyndon Dykes. So bearing all that in mind, Gordon, with the form of the guys that are included as the four attackers, are you surprised that McBurney, Nisbet or Shanklin weren't called up? Um, probably yeah, yes, uh, yes and no. I mean, I think as as we said, this this is very very much a continuity squad. This is this is the team that Steve Clark has been building over the last eighteen months to two years. So I think it, there's no great surprise to to not see drastic changes in it. I think probably Nisbet and Shankland are probably the ones that are sitting at home thinking they should probably be in the squad and they'd probably be quite disappointed that they're not or they might be waiting by the phone just in case anyone anyone else gets injured. Um, obviously, they've had their injury problems as well through the season. So, I don't know. It's, 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 it's again, it's a, it's a difficult one because realistically in the, in the forward positions, essentially for striker, there is, it's one position they're fighting for and that position is very much Shea Adams's. He's added a lot to his game, Shanklin. We had Ben uh, on the podcast the other week talking about um, how much he's improved at dropping deep to link the play, which is really a requirement of a Scotland striker um, on occasion, especially when maybe you're playing a team like Spain where, where it can be harder to to go and hurt them. So it, on that premise, on top of the fact that he's probably the most potent striker in the squad when it comes to finishing, Alan, I'm surprised that he's not been included out of, out of the three Nisbet, Shanklin, McBurney. I'm surprised Shanklin hasn't been included in case we need to smash glass in case of emergency at some point if things are looking really thin against Cyprus, for example? Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably a case of if Dykes hadn't passed, a, I'm guessing, a late fitness test, um, you, you'd maybe see him in the squad. It's, it's probably all down to that because that's a, that's the position there because um, he seems if Jacob Brown's fit, he's getting called up. Adams is getting called up. Christie's getting called up. Um, so it's waiting for someone to fall ill or severely out of form or lacking game time. Um, 
yeah, Shanklin couldn't have really done much more. Um, I mean, I went to I went to the Istanbul Basak Sahir game um, earlier in the year, and I mean, if he scored a couple, of then got a few more goals in Europe. Again, that elevates the season entirely as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he can count as well. Unfortunate, Gordon Jacob Brown is is clearly in Clark's circle of trust now. Um, he, he doesn't seem to have done much to well, certainly not in the on the park anyway. Maybe behind the scenes at training. Um, I can't speak for that, but he's he's been included again despite not having contributed really anything for Scotland purely based on the fact that he's not been given much of a chance to contribute anything for Scotland since he started uh, receiving call-ups um, midway through the World Cup qualification group. So I'll, I'll run you through Jacob Brown's six caps until now. Uh, he is turning 25 at the start of next month, so plenty of football ahead for Jacob Brown. He had has played five minutes away to Moldova, one minute at home to Poland, and he came off the bench three games in a row in the Nations League against Armenia, Ireland and Armenia again, which totaled about 45 minutes across the three games. Then he missed the rest of the Nations League with that thigh injury that kept him out for a bit for Stoke. Then he played 11 minutes against uh, Turkey in that friendly um, the last game of last year. So, So based on that, are you surprised that when Clark is going for continuity that he hasn't been a casualty of that at all. Yeah, I I am. I am certainly because, because like like you said, six six appearances now for Scotland for Jacob Brown, and I, I'm not I'm not sure any of us have seen the real Jacob Brown or or or, or could really articulate what it is he brings within within this setup. I think obviously we know that what he does for Stoke, like you said, probably more predominantly coming in off the left wing. So, yeah, I think there will have to come a time where he will have to get his opportunity. He will have to get his chance to do something because I don't think he's he's had a fair crack at, crack at it yet, which is which is unfortunate, you know, and I think again, probably Ollie McBurney probably had something a little bit similar at the start of his Scotland career. Like he, he accumulated a decent number of caps, but without actually contributing too many minutes. And then all of a sudden people are saying, God, look, he's gone 10, 11 caps and he's not scored a goal yet. And it's like, but is that fair? Cause it's, you know, you add up all the minutes. It doesn't yeah. actually add up to all that much. So yeah, I, th- I think the time will have to come that Jacob Brown has to get an opportunity to do something because Obviously, Steve Clark sees something in him from what he does at club level, but we've not quite seen that yet. Part of, me, part of me wonders that, um, whether he is Adam's direct replacement, and that's why he's not getting the game time. Um, I mean, his attributes obviously play in a different position at Stoke, but he's a strong character. He's, he's, he links up play. Um, he can come deep for the ball and take it forward. He's got pace. Um, he, he's obviously his finishing is not the same level as Adam's. We've seen the quality of Adam's. Um, uh, that strike he scored, he scored goals in the championship yeah. last year, though, well, and that's why I was I was yeah. wondering at that point when he was on bang on form for Stoke that yeah. he wasn't kind of thrown in at the deep end and given an opportunity. But it seems that even though he's off form at, at club level now and hasn't seemingly earned his stripes for the national team yet, that he's been included again. So Clark must see something really worthwhile in him. Yeah, same as Kenny McLean and stuff, I guess. Um, guys like that. He's, he's obviously he's got guys. Obviously knows Kenny much, much, much longer. But um, he's got loyalty, and I guess if he hasn't seen anything to dissuade him, with Brown, maybe he's He's obviously he's a great guy to have. He learns quick um, by all accounts. So um, he's obviously someone who he sees as having been pivotal in the squad. I mean, I mean that's, we just trust Clark, I guess, in this one. We'll finish on what I am. 
going to continue as a talking point, uh, Hippocratic leave, because I don't really see the controversy in it whatsoever. But given the fact it's been raised um, in a few circles in the media uh, and on social media as well, I thought, you know what, let's see what the fellas think as well. And if you have any particular thoughts on this, jump in the mentions uh, once you've had a listen. People complaining about a lack of Scottish Premiership-based players in the squad. Gordon, how do you feel about this? Um, looking at them just now, there are 17 of the players started their career in Scotland uh, and have gone on to other things or are, are still there. Um, I think there's five that are currently based in Scotland. I'll just cast my eye over it again. So you've got Xander Clark at Hearts, Liam Kelly at Motherwell, uh, Cal McGregor at Celtic, Ryan Jack at Rangers, and, awesome. and Ralston, sorry, who was then subsequently called up. That's that's absolutely the reason why I can't see his name here. So five players from the Premiership. Is this a, a, an absolute hurricane in a teacup? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I, I, I just, I, I can't see. I don't know. I, I think. Look, I think obviously there's there's certainly a lot of fans who want who obviously remember football from a certain era, and obviously remember when you know Scottish clubs would would potentially dominate in Europe and do very well, and would be you know were, were powers not only in UK but European football, and those days have very much passed on to a certain extent uh, I think the world has changed drastically but we are still a very very we're in an incredibly important place in world football and I think when you look at the you look at the quality of players that are coming through from Scotland especially when you look at the, the quality that they're achieving at a very young age that you're getting guys like like Billy Gilmore like Nathan Patterson um, who are coming out of performance schools with incredibly high technical abilities that are then being that are appearing on the radar of bigger clubs potentially down south and abroad. You know Ben Ben Doak as well. You can put into that cr- criteria. Like these are still players that are coming through the Scottish system, are impressing and are then going elsewhere to to ply their trades and 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 make their careers. And I think that's something that Scotland should be incredibly proud of. You know, and like you said as well, the the, the amount of players that are that have started their careers. I mean, Ryan Porches is obviously still a young man. He's only 23 years old, but he's played an awful lot of first team football up in Scotland. And that set him up well for the career that he's gone on to now down in England. Um, and again, as well, I think it's probably not something to get overly concerned about because the pendulum can swing quite quickly. I mean, give Scott, give Scotland a couple of two or three seasons of um, Celtic and Rangers playing Champions League group stage football every season. And all of a sudden, players that might be thinking about moving down south all of a sudden want to stick around a bit longer and play some Champions League football here. So, yeah, I don't... I have too many things to worry about in my life. I can't bring myself to care. You've got got an infant child, Gordon, that goes to sleep at 6pm. You've got nothing to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) so, so, so So this reflects, Alan, well on the Scottish Premiership, if anything, rather than embarrassingly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the fact that we're getting so many players um, come through here to go on, and um, they're getting their opportunities at a young age, like your like your Dokes, obviously making an appearance, and then Hickey um, getting his chances, and then going off. Josh Doig getting regular game time, then moving on. Uh, the loss goes on um, with this national team, so there's no concern. And if you just look at team more successful national teams of a similar size to Scotland, uh, Croatia have six players in their most recent squad playing domestic football in Croatia. 
Wales have four, um, obviously in the English league system. They're both better than Scotland, historically, in the last few years, especially Croatia probably of all time. So um, I don't think that's even an argument. Um, it doesn't impact us. It's maybe a sense of pride, definitely. But I think we've got that in that these players are starting out at our clubs and moving on to bigger and better things. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah bigger picture stuff. Uh, it does reflect well on the players, uh, the, the teams that are producing these players. Uh, and it reflects well on the players that they're able to go and make a career for themselves um, in stronger in a stronger league and test themselves and um, carry themselves against better opposition on, on a weekly basis. And hopefully players like Tierney and Gilmore that have managed to forage an opportunity down there uh, and Ferguson over in Italy are able to go in and make bigger strides and get back in their team and, and go from strength to strength, especially in, that's not relevant for Ferguson, but certainly for Gilmore. Uh, McTominay and Tierney uh, and the like so yeah look guys that'll do us we have uh, this has been recorded on Wednesday evening so a couple of days more until Cyprus hopefully no injury dropouts uh, in the squad here training at Lesser Hamden this week Gordon aren't they? which uh, actually you wanted to touch on just before we finish it's quite a cool thing yeah, it is absolutely no. I just, I just, I very much appreciated those the the photos and videos from training uh, came out yesterday. You know, it's, it's just, there's something very romantic, you know, about seeing the team out on a training pitch, literally in the shadow of of Hampden Park. Like, I think that's that's very nice to see. Um, and also, just before we do wrap up, a couple of points I wanted to make earlier is I am particularly keen to see Lewis Ferguson at Hampden on Saturday, simply because in his five caps so far, he has never played at Hampden. All of his okay. games have come in away games, um, away in Denmark, Austria, uh, Austria again, uh, Armenia and Turkey. So yeah, Gosh. never, never, never played a home game for Scotland. So what better time to do it than on Saturday? Um, and again, just the, the, the other point, just to sort of really hammer home, you know, we were, we've been talking through this pod about the development of this team and this group under Steve Clark. Look back at that team that started against Cyprus in Steve Clark's first game in charge. And it is only uh, three of the starting 11 who are currently in this squad now. So Andy Robertson, John McGinn, oh, sorry, four. Robertson, McGinn, McLean and McGregor uh, from the starting 11 are still in this squad. Marshall, O'Donnell, Mulgrew, McKenna, Forrest, Brophy and Fraser are not. So just goes to show you just how much change and evolution this team has gone through over the last uh, three and a half years. Gosh, indeed. Well, that's, uh, that's been great, guys. Thanks very much for coming on. As usual, with an international break, we'll be doing a review of the first game, um, and a, which will tie into a preview of the subsequent game, and then we'll review that as well. So a couple more pods coming your way over the next, uh, what will that be? Well, a week, I suppose. Um, but by the time you get this in your ears, it'll be Thursday morning, and hopefully in the ensuing 48 hours or so, no disasters or emergencies for the Scotland players, and we have a full-strength team to send out um, to the park to play Cyprus in our opener on Saturday so Gordon Allen thanks very much for coming on and let's see what happens in the opener Sports Social Podcast Network